0: Christmas is nigh. Turkeys elbow their way into fridges, while hams battle them for pole position. Puddings loll in muslin, their fruity waft heavy in the warm summer air. None of those traditional yuletide victuals will make it through my door. The long formal lunch has no place in my Christmas, and neither does the raw prawn on the barbie. My Christmas is all about breakfast. I grew up in Western Australia where it was difficult to imagine a December baby needing a manger for warmth. We frolicked under sprinklers, sucked icy poles and begged to be taken to the beach. Christmas Day began with my excitable mother waking us, insisting we get up, get up, so that we could have our big brekkie, then gather around the tree for parcels. There was always a book tucked under a pine branch for me. Mum and Dad divorced when we were little, and so they shared us on the big occasions. For Dad, we dressed in our best and were given a full festive feast, from the oversized bird and clove-studded ham, right through to brandy butter. But we started the day in shorty pyjamas with Mum and her menu. Tomatoes, onion and basil sautéed in olive oil with plenty of pepper, scrambled eggs for everyone but me, crackly bacon for crunch, thick slices of buttery white toast, mushrooms cooked in more butter and more pepper, all washed down with orange juice and sips of champagne. Our Christmas tradition began from an ending, but it evolved into a cherished ritual. Each component of that meal was a favourite of someone at the table and it was prepared amid teasing and cajoling, with everyone having a task. The food tasted like playfulness and ease. When I married and moved to Melbourne, my husband Peter adopted the breakfast custom with gusto, though he added a caveat. It wouldn't be Christmas without chocolate, he maintained. My sister Alana, who was the third member of our party, was an enthusiastic second. They'd scoff their pre-breakfast chocks while I feigned disapproval. Pete gave Alanna chocolate stars wrapped in gold foil. He loved a star. My refrain was different. It wouldn't be Christmas without a book. For the 28 years we were together, Peter and I exchanged Christmas books. By the time others were tucking into turkey or plumping for pudding, we'd be immersed in story, our breakfast digested and Alana farewelled. Melbourne sweltered or shivered, depending on her wayward mood, while we drank tea, nibbled fruit mince tarts, and occasionally chuckled or groaned. Listen to this, one of us would say, and the other would lay aside their book to attend. Last year there was no book. Peter died suddenly at the beginning of winter and I was still in shocked mourning as the year wound down. I fled to Ubud with Alana. We ate black rice and tempeh, drank turmeric juices and lime squash, walked the green ridges and ignored the whole Yuletide thing. Until a boy flashed a smile at us and said, it is Christmas, yes? So you have more happy. Have more happy. Such a simple blessing, yet happiness seemed unthinkable then. Nonetheless, we wished him the same. It would have been churlish not to. As we strolled on in the humidity, we began to talk about Christmas's past and about the ghosts we carry with us from them. My first Christmas with Peter was spent in my flat in Sydney's Elizabeth Bay in 1986. We barely knew each other. We'd spent a total of two weeks together when he headed off to New York on a long-planned trip. Unbeknown to me, he changed his ticket and came home early. We feasted on bright orange mango flesh and glossy cherries and exchanged the journals we'd been writing for each other while we were apart. It was our first Christmas book swap. Our second Christmas was in Melbourne, in the cottage where we lived our whole marriage. Peter had bought it two years before meeting me, captivated by the row of matched weatherboards just around the corner from the village shops. At one of those stores, we won a prize – a session with a professional photographer. We didn't want portraits, so we posed under a cut-out star as Mary and Joseph with our puppy Angus in a washing basket cane crib. We made copies and sent them to all our friends. That began a tradition that persisted right up to our final Christmas, when we sent a picture of us under the Harbour Bridge because we were celebrating in Sydney. We shared the day with one of Peter's oldest friends. Sandy piled her table with seafood and we sat, just the three of us, talking for seven hours about the things that matter. Hopes, possibilities, dreams. They were planning to go to Antarctica together. It's only now I realise we had our first and last Christmases by the harbour. Over the years, our silly Christmas photos catalogued our lives, We had a renovation Christmas, a bush Christmas, a John and Yoko inspired peace Christmas, a Titanic Christmas and a Thai Christmas, a rosy Christmas in the garden, even a cool Yule in a bathtub. In the hard years, we sent photos of us looking to the horizon or up to the sky. It was a tradition that morphed over time from nonsense to significance, but I won't be repeating that ritual this year. A Christmas selfie wouldn't be the same. Perhaps I'll attend church. Peter and I were both raised Catholics, though in very different ways. His family were observant of the rituals, and although he left the religion behind, from time to time he'd suggest midnight mass. We'd hop the train to the city and sing carols, songs remembered from childhood when everything felt safe and sure, before heading home. Once, a cake was carried tenderly to the altar by two little kids. The congregation gathered around to read the icing sugar message, happy birthday Jesus, and to blow out the candles. We smiled all the way home, reminded of connections to things beyond just us. As we strolled from the station, he stopped and told me to look up at the stars. No matter the weather or place, Peter's final act at night was to look into the sky. At Christmas, we'd recall the three men's pursuit of a star that led them to the child in the crib, to new life. After all, Christmas celebrates a birth and peace on earth is the message that little baby brought. The last book I gave Pete was not at Christmas. It was a slim notebook with a quote from Audrey Hepburn on the cover. Paris is always a good idea. France was one of his passions. He relished the contradictions of the language and of the people. Formality with playfulness, convention and invention. He loved the challenge of unfreezing a Frenchman. He called himself a flaneur because he was good at wandering without destination. We'd always planned to spend a Christmas in the French capital, that city of lights that so fired his imagination. When terrorists attacked the Parisian streets in November, I thought of how Pete would have written notes and letters to friends, finding phrases of consolation and hope. I sang La Marseillaise under my breath, thinking of all those families who had lost someone suddenly, violently, senselessly. At Christmas, many French attend Midnight Mass before coming home for their big dinner. They call this meal Le Réveillon de Noël. It means the wake-up or awakening. They eat chestnut-stuffed turkey or goose, oysters, salmon or crepes, all might be included in a meal that thumbs its nose at diet books. In Provence, they make 13 desserts, one each for Jesus and the Apostles. I hope that this year the French will hold to their tradition, though perhaps the name could be altered. They have had enough waking up. Brutal attacks on their liberty and lives must have left many struggling to find hope, wondering about the point of Christmas. Perhaps thinking they can run away to somewhere remote, somewhere they won't be obliged to observe rituals that will remind them of those they've lost. But someone will insist to them that Christmas is a time for connection, to have more happy. It's for beginnings, for birth. It's a time for seeking the star that shines, even when we can't look up. This Christmas, I hope to wake with the eyes of a newborn, to see the wonder of life while accepting that it also inevitably includes loss. I will open that journal I gave Pete and write down all the things for which I am thankful. Memories will be at the top of the list. I will cook tomatoes with onion and basil. I will have buttery toast and tea. Then, with a bag of chocolate stars to share with friends, I will go out into the day.